today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. It is 900 CHML. I'm Scott Thompson. Will Erskine back at the station. Keeping the Scott Thompson Home Show between the pipes. Jump into the fun. Love to hear from you. Send us a note via the website, Thompson at 900CHML.com. The Mengwanzo hearing in Vancouver, the Huawei CFO, has wrapped up. And uh, now, of course, we wait a decision. This is by no means over, as Elliot Tepper will explain. Um, but, but something that came out that I wanted to ask Elliot about was uh, the judge has reserved her decision. And what is that all about? Let's bring in Elliot Tepper, uh, professor of political science, Carleton University, with us now. Elliot, thank you for the time. I hope you're well. Oh, good afternoon, Scott. All right, Elliot, um, give us an update where this hearing stands now and your thoughts on the judge's comments. My thoughts is that um, as a non-lawyer, I find that the wheels of justice are grinding exceedingly slowly. Now, maybe they're also grinding finely, which is the cliche. They may grind slowly, but ultimately come out to a good decision. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, we should remind ourselves that she was arrested December 18th, 2018, uh, approximately a thousand days or so. Uh, We picked that date because the two Michaels were arrested shortly thereafter, and Coming up on the 4th of next month, it'll be a 1,000 days they've been in prison. And as we know, Michael Spavor was just uh, convicted, and we can go over uh, all of that. But what we do know now is that after all of the hearings and attempts to present uh, information and also to delay things, etc., the Associate Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of British Columbia has now said, okay, this phase is wrapped up, and I'm going to announce on the 21st of October the date when I'm going to announce my decision. So we don't actually know. What is that about? Happen. Why, why that choice of words? Why that, oh, why, how did we get here? How, how, how is this happening? As the, as the Prime, Minister keep, Prime Minister of Canada keeps saying, uh, this is now in the hands of the Canadian courts. And that's our, how our courts operate. Uh, this will come to a point where it's beyond the courts. Eventually, it goes to the Attorney General to make a final judgment and presumably um, could say that, no, I don't agree with the decision after all this length of time, whenever that might be after all the, all the further uh, requests for additional time, etc., after the postponements and after the lawyers do what lawyers do. It then goes actually to the political process of Canada. Now, would the Attorney General actually, after all that time, whenever that may be, go against the decision that was finally rendered in the court? We should also remind ourselves, Scott, that this is not a trial. Uh, This is not a situation where Canada is being asked to judge the guilt or innocence, per se, of Meng Wanzhou, but whether uh, it's reasonable to honor the extradition uh, request to send this person Mm -hmm. to the requesting party, the United States, where an actual trial would be held. Is this reserve decision a delay? What are the reasons for that? Uh, I think you need to ask a, a trial lawyer yeah. uh, those questions. The way it looks to someone like myself, who's merely a political scientist and not within the legal system, is that's just how our system works, Yeah, uh, and, uh, which should be a caution to all of us never to get into the system if we can avoid it in any event. No, it just takes time, apparently. Uh, she's presumably got other things on her docket besides mm-hmm. this case. This case has to queue up and take its turn. 
She has heard everything she is going to hear. She has uh, vigorously questioned both sides, by the way. Uh, she, she gave the Canadian uh, justices, uh, who, the Canadian lawyers who are representing the United States in this instance, she's given them a really tough ride in the, in the final set of questions. So it's by no means clear where this is going to go. What we do know is that finally, on October 21st, we might hear, we will hear when a decision will be given. Uh, we, we've heard many times over, and, and I think you've echoed this, Elliot, that you know, even though this comes down, there'll be appeals, there'll be this, there'll be that. Yep. Uh, is there a concern that this will be death by delay? It'll just, a judge will just say, this is taking way too long, go. The, the legal intricacies of the Canadian court system could possibly lead in that direction, or the government of Canada might intervene and say, look, this is our case, and that uh, we're prosecuting on behalf of the United States, and we want a decision here, or something else that could happen. You and I have talked about this now for, I don't know, a thousand days, saying that you know one of three things could happen. She could win this case, or the U.S. could withdraw, withdraw yeah. the request. Remember, this is a request by the U.S. It was done by the Trump administration, part of the what her lawyers are bringing out is this was a tainted request, and they have a lot of reasons. They call it uh, something to do with tainting the process, abuse of process. And so that should that would get rid of it because of the political nature, and Donald Trump can be quoted on that. But the U.S. is now under Joe Biden, and he wants to deal with Iran to get back into the nuclear uh, comprehensive agreement regarding nuclear weapons. He could change his mind and say, never mind. The third possibility, which is recommended by very distinguished Canadians but rejected by the government of Canada, is just do an out-and-out prisoner swap, make a deal. Yeah. Behind the scenes, we don't know what's going on. We assume a lot is going on. There's, there's ripples uh, and, and hints that a lot is going on, but we don't know, and that's kind of where it stands today. Does this discussion change because we're in the midst of an election? Um. You know, other priorities, it's moved yes. to the back burner, this, that, no, I, or the I other, keep it out so. of the headlines? No, I don't believe so, uh, because the Attorney General, ultimately, you know, yeah. member of the Cabinet, may indeed have a role to play. But right now, it's strictly in the court system. I think we should back away from the intricacies of the Canadian court system and remind ourselves what's going on. Uh, China has, and, and this is, uh, I'll use the vocabulary that's come into vogue recently uh, in the media, China is acting in a thuggish uh, manner. Mm-hmm. We are watching a want-to-be great power that wants to be the leading power on Earth by 2050, acting in a way that more and more countries are saying, if that's how you want to behave, we don't want to follow you. And we have a lot of data now. The Pew data has coming out, the PEW, which is a polling firm from a number of countries, where in that mm-hmm. thousand days, the reputation of China around the world has really plummeted. Canada has played a role in that. We've done our, 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 our best. You know, what we're really good at is multilateralism. So Canada has really led in a number of ways to mobilize global opinion, specifically on the case, and also more generally about the behavior of China in the world. And China is paying a reputational cost. We don't know to what degree they care about that, but I suspect they do. They want to be seen as the legitimate alternative, non-democratic alternative, to what the uh, world has seen, I guess, since the end of the Second World War, the hegemony, hegemony of 
the United States, certainly after 1989, the sole superpower. Uh, and China has been putting out an alternative vision saying, follow us. And a lot of people looking at this case are saying, really? Uh, you're not ready for prime time. Hmm. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Uh, we were talking about the two Michaels quite a bit in the past week, simply because, uh, uh, along with Schellenberg, uh, Michael Spaver uh, was sentenced. Uh, we thought we would hear more about Kovrig. Any more progress? Uh, what have you heard on that? I haven't heard anything about uh, Michael Kovrig. Remember, the Chinese court system is related to the Chinese government, which is related yeah. to the party, which is related to Xi Jinping's uh, dominance. So it's, this is Xi Jinping and the Communist Party, and it's the judicial apparatus as, as an extension of the government. Uh, they can hold that second case over our heads uh, to see perhaps how this one is going. Mm. We don't know. Um, and again, let me back up a bit. The Chinese are saying, Yes, there's hostages here. It's Meng Wanzhou is the hostage. She should never have been arrested. And they are claiming that Canada is holding, at U.S. request, a hostage. And, uh, of course, we know that, that uh, Huawei is one of their champion con- companies, and she's the daughter of the founder, and she's the chief operating officer of that company. So the Chinese are, are saying, um, we, we want her, and we have let that be known as clearly as possible. Basically, they're saying you're not, you are not going to see your people out of jail and, and back home until she's out of jail and back home. And they still have Michael Kovrig as yet one more calling card in that contest. How is China viewing the recent uh, uh, events that have happened in Afghanistan? Yes, this is, a, this is a, a way to link some very important stories. China sees we can talk about the specifics of it. China has received a delegation at a China at a very high level has received a delegation from the Taliban before they took power, and they have their pictures taken together. Mm. Uh, and their embassy, unlike ours, is still open. Uh, the Russian embassy is still open because uh, China has let it be known quite clearly that they will recognize the incoming new government of the Taliban. Nobody voted for them, you know. They came to power Mm, by force. But China will recognize them. China intends to do business with the Taliban uh, for a variety of reasons, I think. They're helping fill a vacuum created once again by the United States. The United States is pulling back and out, and they are moving in. That's a pattern we've seen uh, under Donald Trump when he said, we don't want to be world leaders, and China said, we do, and stepped in. But also, there's very material reasons for this. The Taliban have played a much more um, uh, convincing case this time as they've come to power, a much more sophisticated case. They sent a delegation to Russia saying, you have nothing to worry about because we won't let ISIS or anybody else go up into your territories and spread the fundamentalism and and, uh, revolts and revolutions and violence. They've gone to China and said, oh, sure, the, you know, the Uyghurs are Muslim, but don't worry about it. Even though we are neighbors now, uh, we, have, we will not interfere in your internal cir- circumstance, meaning we won't stand with our Muslim brothers. Uh, That's, yeah, that was my next question, Elliot. Uh, yeah, they, they've made that clear. 
the Chinese, in turn, are, will have um, lots of advantages now because, as today's paper shows, there's a trillion dollars worth of, of rare metal, of gold and copper and iron, but also lithium. And uh, the, the possibility that China, and there's also trade routes, that, and also um, pipeline possibilities. None of this is getting sufficient attention. There's a lot of potential in Afghanistan if and when they had a government in place uh, and there was peace in the country, and there was a, a government that was legitimately recognized, you know, recognized as legitimate around the world. That's not going to happen, but China says it will happen for us. Uh, you know, I had a professor on earlier, and uh, he wasn't too, um, he didn't feel, feel very safe where the world was heading. Uh, Elliot, you've been on the planet for a while. You've seen this. I, I tell my kids this is all cyclical. Uh, what do you say to young people who are looking at this and how this came up? There was a, a weird article that appeared that some parents were debating whether to have kids or not because the world was so terrible. I remember watching an All in the Family episode back in the 70s when they were having the exact same discussion. Uh, what do you tell young people at the hell that our world is right now? Well, you see, people of my generation are well-known, and this is my generation, as you know, every few years, there's another one comes along saying, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. There's no way out. And yet the world, in fact, is, is more at peace than it's ever been. It has more people living uh, out of poverty than in history. Uh, the health indicators are all going in the right direction, apart from the pandemic, and that will come under control. Um, the environment, that's something that's finally being dealt with. I remember when the ozone layer was considered yep. a real threat. It was a real threat when it was mm-hmm. thinning, and we got our collective political will together to deal with the fact that, that we won't get fried because we're yep. widening the ozone layer. So I, I think the uh, I think the answer is the world continues to turn. The tendency to say that things are worse than they ever have been is true of every generation. We have to remember there was a first world war and a second world war, and the Nazi phenomenon is, was real. Uh, the McCarthy phenomenon in the United States was real. For that matter, they had a civil war in the United States. So things today in terms of the United States have been worse in the past. Um, On the other hand, it's very tempting to say, okay, don't worry about it. This too shall pass. Mm. But it only passes with the political will uh, to tackle these issues. And this falls into political science, not into technology, not into economics. Do we have the political will, the political capacity to confront what's in front of us? And what's in front of us is kind of a global struggle right now between autocracy, democratic space, and authoritarian uh, closing of that space. We've seen that today in Afghanistan. Uh, China is a cheerleader for that. It suits them. But I don't think this is a game over for the world the generation that's coming into power will have to deal with it and talk to you, Scott, and explain what's going on. Hmm. <laughs> Elliot Tepper with us, Emeritus uh, uh, Professor of Political Science, Carleton University. Always a fascinating discussion, Elliot, whether it's the past, the present, or the future. Thank you so much. Be well. And take care, Scott. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.